everyone. I want to thank you for tuning in for the Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. As always, here at the Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast, we like to cover arts, entertainment, events, all the things that are focused DMV related. I'm Lisa, your host of the DMV Business and Leisure Podcast, I'm digital marketer, consultant, and content creator. As always, you can follow us, the Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast, on Instagram, a Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast, and on Facebook at Local DMV BIZ and Leisure Podcast. Once again, we have a great guest here today, Tim Wright, Timothy Wright, and he has a great tour company called Adam.com is the website, and on Instagram is Addicts Adams SDN on Instagram. Uh, Timothy Wright is an educator and historian and founder of Addicts Adams, a Washington, D.C. based walking tour with two decades of experience in museum education and a teacher development professional. Tim aims to connect the history of the D.C. District of Columbia with the dynamic, ever changing city that it is today. When not touring, Tim explores the streets of DC with his camera, documenting changes in the built environment, and sharing his observations on social media and beyond. He holds Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science from Virginia Commonwealth University and new tour walking title uh, upcoming that he has that I hopefully will get into more is called the American Main Street, a Civil Rights Walk. So once again, I'm very excited to have Tim here today. How are you doing, Tim? I'm great. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me and excited to talk about all things walking tour here in Washington, D.C. But yeah, feeling good on today and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much, Tim. We always have a favorite question here on the podcast. Are you a D.C. native or a newbie? Maybe neither. I mean, I'm definitely not a D.C. native. I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, which is about 110 miles down the road, down I-95. And I've been here for, oh, let me do the math. 18 years. Definitely not a native, but not a newbie either. <laughs> One of the questions came for me, what was your first museum or tour experience as a child or an adult? I, I was curious because of the line of work you're in. Oh my goodness. Definitely as a child, and I'll never forget it, probably made me love museums forever, which was in Richmond. Uh, it's still there. The Science Museum of Virginia in downtown Richmond. As a child, I want to say fifth grade, we did a tour of the museum. And at the time they had some dinosaurs, lots of kids love dinosaurs. And they had a program where you could sleep over in the museum and actually in the dinosaur exhibition. And I can't remember if it was like our class or it was a, a, a group of kids. They might not have been in my class, but there's probably about 20 of us. And we got to like tour the museum at night, have his little snacks, dinner. And literally we bought our sleeping bags and we slept in the museum and we had got up and had breakfast. And so to me, that moment was just like, made me love museums forever. And, you know, I was a child and here I am today, uh, you know, an adult and I still love museums. So that one moment really was it. Oh, that's great. And as a, a follow-up to that, could you give us a little bit about your journey to Addicts Ad- Adams and why you named it that? That kind of like the gap between that wonderful museum experience when you were a child and your current day Addicts Adams. Richmond, Virginia, actually really good museums. Science Museum, which I mentioned, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, which is, in my opinion, one of the best arts institutions in the country. The Children's Museum of Richmond, which I did, which I worked at as an adult, and others. So Richmond had this great museum scene. After you know, with the high school at Richmond and university. I graduated with a degree in political science, but my first full-time job after college, it was not in political science. It was actually working at the Children's Museum of Richmond. <laughs> I got to do museum education for the first time. That was really my first real job. 
working with museum visitors, mostly, you know, kids and their parents. Mm -hmm. And I ended up moving to DC to teach American government and civics for a nonprofit. That involved teaching about American government and civics, but also taking high school kids to meet their representatives mm -hmm. in the Congress, yeah. right? And so I'm teaching using Washington, DC, the classroom, which was great. And I sort of moved from teaching the children, the kids, students to doing teacher professional development, mm -hmm. working at another museum, the National mm -hmm. Building Museum for almost a decade. Yeah. But eventually I, I really wanted to go back to teaching about civics and American government, but still adding mm -hmm. in that you know, learning in the city factor. And so I, I wanted to come back to that. And so that's why I started Addicts Adams um, about five years ago, sort of went out on my own to work for myself. About the name, though, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. So interesting. I didn't know what to name the business because I didn't want anything too mm -hmm. generic. I wanted something with meaning mm -hmm. and I ended up probably making it too obscure, but I still love it. Um, <laughs> Addicts Adams is named after two people. Crispus Addicts, a Bostonian, a Black man who was a part of the Boston Massacre, one of the, the first people to die in the American Revolution. And the first person to die in the American Revolution was Crispus Addicts, a, a Black man from Massachusetts. That was really the opening salvo in the American you know, Revolutionary War. The British soldiers that shot those people in Boston, the Boston Massacre, they were represented by uh, another British subject. Remember, we were all British at the time. They were, they were represented by John Adams. John Adams, you might know his name because he eventually switched sides to the, to the American side, the revolutionary side, and he ended up becoming the president of the United States after George Washington. So the, 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 the company is named after these two very interesting people one person who really kicked off the American Revolution, unfortunately, by giving his life, and another person who ended up being the one of the found the founders of the U.S., being one of the first presidents, John Adams. So, Addicts Adams is an interesting story, and uh, it's an interesting name, and I don't always get to talk about why. So, thank you for asking that. Well, thank you, and I think it's not too obscure. I think it's interesting. It started. Uh, for me, create a certain amount of intrigue. So you said you worked in education and on Instagram. Please check out his account. There's a lot of great photography there. I assume it's by you. Is that correct, Tim? That's correct. Yeah, so that's a great picture. When I view the website, I think it's a great love letter to D.C. about D.C. How has your political science background, the beautiful photography you do, and your success in museum education converged to create the awesomeness that we know to be Adam's Addicts? Originally, I, when I started the company, I wanted to be. I wanted it to be a tour company, but also I wanted to wanted to focus on civics education, P political science background. I want everyone to be able to understand as far as mm -hmm. they can to their maximum capacity how to be a good citizen. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a citizen? What are mm -hmm. your rights and responsibilities and all that stuff? And part of that was going to Capitol Hill. Now that was how I started the company, but I I, I obviously wanted to offer more you know, more tours than Capitol Hill. <laughs> um, and so I ended up adding, you know, more tours, touring the monuments and memorials. I now have some neighborhood tours I've done, touring museums, really all that DC has to offer. But actually really did start because of my political science background. I really started because I wanted to hit that civics piece. And I, I still include civics and American history in all my tours. You can talk about civics anywhere just have to be able to work it okay. in uh, and so whether we're on u street mm -hmm. or we're at the 
Dr. King Memorial or wherever, <laughs> you can talk about civics. And then of course the photos, you know, Instagram's so interesting because is about photography for the most part. And I, so I do use it as marketing because of course a pretty picture can get someone's interest, but also I just like to use it as a record of like what's happening in my business. And what I love for people to click on the picture because they like it and then book a tour. Of course, that would be nice, but also I'm using it for me to say, remember where we've been as a company, you know, over the years. It does come through to this personal. So I don't, I don't want to say I didn't try to commercialize it as much that it seemed like a personal connection and you were sharing from a very mm-hmm. real place. And, and also I think photographers have mm-hmm. a view of the world, which is thoughtful and thoughtful. And, mm-hmm. But that's just me. I'm, I'm, is that yes. true? Okay. So I, I, I'm getting it. Cause I'm like, I feel like a good photographer like yourself are, and also giving, making us look at things we hadn't looked at in ways we hadn't looked. We talked a lot about uh, civics, you know, broadened the idea of civics. Cause I think about that one class I had in high school, but clearly you know, droughts. Um, so I'm excited about that upcoming project I teased about at the beginning, and I love the name, the American Main Street and Civil Rights Walk. Could you share with us the, you know, the awesomeness that bring to visitors and locals, all, of course, the civil, the civics tie-in, of course, I'm sure that there is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you, you described it better than I <laughs> have. Uh, I haven't even... <laughs> I haven't even come up with the elevator pitch, but you pretty much just said You can take it, that, so. Tim. Feel free. Uh, Do you want me to say it again? I'll write it down. <laughs> I'll have to listen to the podcast again. Yeah, the um, yeah. so American Main Street, what I mean by that is some people call Pennsylvania Avenue America's Main Street. They call it that because the avenue that connects the White House and the United States Capitol building so much of D.C. is defined by those two buildings for people from, not from D.C., you know, like a lot of D.C. is defined by those two buildings. Now, if you live here, D.C. might be defined by other stuff. But for visitors, you know, you think about what parts of D.C. sort of quote unquote belong to all Americans. It's all of our government buildings, the White House, the Capitol, the Supreme Court, the monuments. That's why it's called America's Main Street. Now, the point... I added a second part to it, which you mentioned, the Civil Rights Walk. The tour is really using Pennsylvania Avenue and the area around Pennsylvania Avenue to talk about the expansion of rights through American history. We'll talk about the founding of the U.S. and emancipation of enslaved peoples. We'll talk about women getting the right to vote in different stages throughout American history and the protests that were done, you know, enable that. We'll talk about other kinds of protests and demonstrations that happen on, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue. We'll talk about the Pride Parade because that happens down there. We'll talk about all the buildings and whatnot that are down there, like the National Council of Negro Women. Their headquarters is on Pennsylvania oh, wow. Avenue. We'll get there's so much in that that stretch between the Capitol and the White House. It has so much on it as far as the built environment, like as far as physical buildings. And there's also hidden history, right? Like there's events that have happened there that might not be that obvious. But also the last piece that I think, you know, I want to include DC history too. And what's on Pennsylvania Avenue at the very end, it's the Wilson Building, which is our equivalent to our state house or our city hall, however you want to think about it. It's the home of our district government. And DC, the way that we operate as a, as a federal territory, the fight for statehood, the fight for representation, like all that stuff's going to be in the tour too, because never forget, we're still in the district. It's not just the home of Congress. It's also the home of like our local government. 
all of that stuff plus more part of the tour. And I guess it's probably about two miles, but there's a lot of history that can be talked about in a two mile stretch of one road like Pennsylvania Avenue. You, you brought up something that I wanted to talk about later, but I don't know if you want to hit on it now a little bit. A hot topic in the news about DC and statehood. And then do you want to hit, you know, could you share a little bit about your perspective, you know, with your long tenure here as, as you feel from an educator, a native and someone who's civic minded, do you have two cents you want to put to that? Wow, yeah, it's such an interesting topic now because what's been happening in our Congress recently on statehood. I was just talking to someone the other day and I was saying, I've been here less than 20 years, but I've also been here for four out of the seven mayors of the District of Columbia, which blows my mind. I've been here for such a short time, but I've seen the majority of mayors in the District of Columbia. Uh, And so that's how young the idea of DC home rule is. Like DC home rule is is from the 70s. You know, we have only had, we've only had seven mayors right now. Marion Barry served twice. So we've had eight administrations, but we only had Mm -hmm. seven mayors. And that just blows my mind. And so the idea of the residents of the district, you know, be the, the masters of their own government is pretty new. It's just within the last two generations. And so do I think that we should have statehood? Yes, because <laughs> all the other 300 and, uh, well, not everybody, you know, the, the other territories don't have representation. American Samoa, the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, District of Columbia, mm-hmm. none of those folks are really represent, fully represented in our federal mm-hmm. government. I think everybody should be. Statehood, of course, I think as a resident, I'm for it. Am I willing to entertain here other ideas about it. Yeah, but the bottom line is you have 700,000 people in the district that have no one in the mm-hmm. Senate. And we have a really great delegate, Eleanor Holmes, mm-hmm. but she has sort of limited powers. Wow. And I think fundamentally, fundamentally in, a, in a Republican form of democracy, it just kind of seems wrong. And that's fair. It seems like it's, it's a thoughtful answer. I mean, it's, it's you know, hopefully we'll be able to I don't know, government tends to take a little while to resolve things, but hopefully we'll have this addressed soon and, you know, come up with an answer that's ideally, I don't know, being optimistic, uh, everybody can be happy with. You think that's too, I think it's too much optimism, Tim? No, I'm an optimistic, I'm an optimistic person, so no, <laughs> <laughs> I think that. You hinted a little, you know, Black Broadway tour and, and that concept, and, you know, I've, I've heard a little bit about the Chitlin Circuit and things like that, but I never heard the term Black Broadway and, and that the facts about what the Howard Theater did, the work that Apollo did earlier, I think in certain ways predated uh, the Apollo, but the Apollo is probably most famous. Speak a little bit about the Black Broadway tour, and which I think is helpful and informative tour for all ages. Um, and I know my excitement just now could do it justice. So if you could express that a little, because I think that sounds like a very cool tour, and it really informs you about the Howard Theater and its place in, in, in the arts and entertainment industry. Yeah, thank you for that. I think... Um... Yeah, some people get confused because Black Broadway, you think of Broadway, first of all, people think of New York uh, because of Broadway and Manhattan. And they think of, you know, theater, right? Like musicals and whatnot, you know, Times Square, off-Broadway theaters, Broadway theaters. And that's one Broadway, of course, but this is a different one. Uh, We're talking about Washington, D.C. And so Black Broadway really is sort of this idea that 
while you were having the Harlem Renaissance in New York and you were having what was known as the Great White Way and you had Broadway, we had our own scene in DC based in music and entertainment during that time and sort of beyond. So you had the Apollo, which you mentioned the Chitlin circuit. You know, we had the Apollo, we had the Hippodrome, the Earl, the Royal, and of course we had the Howard Theater here in DC. Apollo is probably the most famous of all those. It's still there on 125th Street in New York City, in Manhattan. It opened in 1934. Howard Theater in DC opened in 1910, so it actually kind of predated it a little bit. You know, to me, to me, it really was the premier theater for Black artists in the United States mm-hmm. for majority of the 20th. And it's right here in Washington, D.C. It's right on U Street Northwest. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, it's on T Street Northwest, right off of U Street. And so the tour really is about, it's about the music venues, because we talk about those, mm-hmm. of course. It's about different musicians. We talk about, I don't know, dozens of musicians that are from D.C. and beyond. Mm-hmm. And it's about music venues, musicians, it's about genres of music. It is about that. But what the tour really is about Black people in D.C. are overcoming racism and discrimination to some extent to establish all the institutions they were locked out of, you know, cultural institutions, financial institutions, educational institutions. That's really what the tour is about. Now, we use the built environment and we look at, of course, we're looking at buildings, we're looking at murals, we're listening to music, but it's really about telling that comprehensive story as much as you can in 90 minutes. You can't say you can't say everything in 90 minutes, but you can talk about a lot. Well, I hope it's a pique their interest, get them excited on the tour, and hopefully have them come back mm-hmm. to continue to learn and buy books. I'm sure there's some books written on it. That's the other thing I thought about after this conversation. Like, I'm probably going to try to look up some books on it to see what else is written about this topic. Yeah, I'll give you one real quick. I just picked this up, and I'm actually going to be on a panel in a couple of months with this person, Brianna Thomas. Brianna Thomas just wrote a book. The title is Black Broadway in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and then Brianna is spelled B-R-I-A-N-A, Brianna Thomas. We get to, I've emailed back and forth with her a couple of times. I'll actually get to speak to her and with her on this panel. Hopefully that comes together later this summer. But yeah, there are several books about Black Broadway. This is just the newest one. I, th- I think it, I think it came out like this year, 2021. Uh, so it's, it's brand new, hot off the press. It has many, many, many photos. So I'm just sort of getting started with it, but it's, I'm highly recommending it already, even though I'm just halfway through it. But uh, yeah, there are some other ones out there, but this one by Brianna Thomas is great so okay. far. And, and you said they can get it on Amazon or in local bookstores already out there. So we'll put that in the show notes. Hopefully uh, I'm going to get put that on on my rotation of books that I'm reading. Uh, yeah, highly recommended. <laughs> also, I like the fact that it's pictures, because I think pictures tell a story too, especially something that's so historic and timely. So, and, mm-hmm. and, and you hit it a little bit when you talked about um, Black Broadway, about the built environment. And you, I know that you have experience in that space, as well as a background in politics and civics. As I think about now, particularly with the social unrest and some other things, we, there's now new conversations about the built environment and social social equity, diversity issues. Do you want to speak a little bit on that or in how you view that? Yeah, so the built environment, I mean, just to define it real quick, all, you know, human built structures, house, office building, a school, you know, whatever the structure is, the building, including the space in between structures. So including other stuff like roads, sidewalks, uh, any kind of design space, right? That's the built environment. So where is it? It's all around <laughs> us. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere. The city is a huge example of the built environment. It's all around us. With the definition of that, and that it really is all around us, the second thing that I like to tell my folks on tour is 
that it's not arbitrary. The, the way the built environment is, you know, it's a result of human decision-making. I'll just use a quick example. I live on a street where one side there's a sidewalk and it's very narrow and it's really difficult to walk down. And on the other side of the street, there's nothing, there's no sidewalk, it's just a curb and then grass. Now, why is it like that way? Because one day when they were designing and building the neighborhood, the, built, the folks that did that job back then decided one side was going to have a really narrow sidewalk and the other side was going to have nothing. <laughs> now, is it that big of a deal for most people? No, because it's just the people, you know, who's affected? It's just the people on my block. But it was a result of human decision-making. So you sort of get to larger issues like transportation networks and, you know, in DC, for example, the height restrictions and for buildings and stuff. So you start to get to where some of the decisions are really affecting a lot of people. And some of the decisions have that have been made are really great and some aren't that great. And so the way that the built environment works into the tour is a lot of these stories that we tell throughout history, they're associated with buildings or places. DC has so many protests over the years and protests and movements. And you think about a place like the Lincoln Memorial have seen so many of them. So Lincoln Memorial, I could you could tell a story about Abraham Lincoln, of course, and you could talk about the Civil War, but you could also talk, talk about how that's been a place of massive change in the U.S., you know, because of protests and demonstrations. You want to talk about any really place in D.C. is going to have those stories, especially on U Street. So part of the tours is discussing the built environment, the changes in the built environment, and also talking about like, well, the basic stuff like, oh, what happened on this spot? And what is happening right now, as you alluded to, that's part of the story too. You can't, you can't leave that part off. Thank you. And just, um, I think we've talked broadly about the tours, but as the tours you're currently offering now, could you list those and if they're virtual or in real time or will be coming in real time, just so the audience can get a sense of the portfolio of awesomeness that you offer. Oh, thank you for putting that way. Yeah, the, there's, I always say there are four categories or four buckets. One is neighborhood tours. And we talked about the U Street Black Broadway tour. We talked about Pennsylvania Avenue tour that's coming up. Those will actually be virtual and in-person. I think that Pennsylvania Avenue tour is also gonna be an online component. The other second category is monuments and memorials. Now, so many of the monuments in DC are down on the Tidal Basin, you know, near the Lincoln Memorial, like what I just talked about, but there's so many right around there. Those are pretty popular, especially for guests that are coming out from outside of DC. The third group is museums, which, you know, we're talking about this in May, 2021. So we're still in the pandemic. And so museums actually haven't really been open for a majority of the last year. (laughs) When they do fully reopen, I highly intend to return to doing museum tours. Uh, I have an all day museum tour that visits many different museums. So hopefully we'll get back to that. And then number four is, I uh, sort of mentioned this before, a tour of Capitol Hill. And that's when we would visit, you know, actually get to see, watch a hearing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can't really do now because the Capitol is also restricted visitors uh, for lots of different reasons, the pandemic Mm -hmm. and for security. The museums and the Capitol Hill tour, they will Mm -hmm. return at one day when we're ready. (laughs) But the Monument tours, anything that's outside. The monument tours and neighborhood tours, mm-hmm. ready to go right now. Speak a little bit about how the security landscape has changed because of things recently. How has that impacted you personally or your business um, in any way? I know many 
individuals have had to make some changes about their commute, et cetera, because of more security. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me, two things. One, a lot of my potential guests were not able to come to DC. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, because so I do have a lot of local clients and, and customers and guests, but so as you can imagine, so many people that come on tours live outside mm-hmm. of the DC area. And so the second thing is, yeah, for me personally, and for the business, there are just some spaces you can't go in anymore. Okay. Uh, I mentioned museums. Now they're opening up mm-hmm. slowly, mm-hmm. but you know, so soon they'll, they'll be fully open, I hope. Capitol Hill, that, that, whole, that whole quarter of my business is just impossible to do oh, now. No. Um, you, can't go, you can't go into the galleries right now. You can't go see a hearing all the, because of the, the mm-hmm. pandemic. And so, and, and because of what happened in January, right? Let's be honest. And then lastly, I would say just logistical stuff. For So for example, I used to run, there's some days I could run two tours mm-hmm. back to oh, back. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I could do a street tour in the morning and then either do another one or I could do a street tour in the morning and then do a, a monument tour in the afternoon. But that's so difficult now because, yeah, all aspects of every person who works in the tour industry, all aspects of their job were turned upside down, 100% guaranteed. I guess as an outgrowth of that, do you have any tips for those who are coming? Because there has been um, an uptick in touring, et cetera. Do you have any tips for those who are coming, how to navigate through some of this? Yeah, you're exactly right. There has been an uptick, I think, with the higher, higher rates of vaccinations in across the U.S. anyway, not everywhere else, but across the U.S., more and more people are willing to come out and I think probably ready to come out and do some different Very true. <laughs> things besides this This first quarter of, of 2021 or starting the second quarter, the majority of my guests have been from D.C. or within, say, a 200-mile radius, right? A lot of people from Virginia, West Virginia, oh, wow. Maryland, maybe Philadelphia, North Carolina, maybe even Georgia. I'm not getting as many people from California, Florida, or obviously internationally. Mm-hmm. So what I would say, for, what I would say for folks is look for something that's driving distance. Look for something that is a day trip because there's wherever you live, something interesting is happening within 200 miles of you, I guarantee it. <laughs> so look for something um, that's close to you. And then I think if you really are coming to DC, I would just say whatever whatever level of patience you generally have, double or triple it. I think every, not every, we haven't gotten back to normal yet. Like the subway system, we're not running to full capacity. So if you wanna ride the subway, you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Parking is sort of a mess everywhere yes. right now. And so if you're looking at parking, it's just going to take yes. longer. Tours are different. Like people like me, I used to tour 10 or 12 people in a group. Now I tour six in okay. a group. So there just may not be as many of what you want. And so I would just say plan early, plan closer, okay. and just have a little patience. Those are my three pieces of advice. I like that. I think patience is something I think we, we're all kind of grappling with through the pandemic that's a fair one so this is one of my kind of nerdy questions I don't know if you have an answer you know we talked about the virtual tours and real time and and media so media got me thinking about books and other things and I was curious about some hidden gems you personally go to related to bookstores libraries historic buildings what are you what is Tim's favorite stuff 
oh my gosh, I to get whatever I need and try to do it as close as possible, especially because of the pandemic. Okay. And, so, you know, I'm a person that I haven't had a car in a long, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't owned a car since high school, I think, or maybe college. And so DC, it's only 66 square miles. So you can get to a lot by bike or walking or by bus or whatever. But I live near what's known as the H Street Corridor, or some people call it Atlas mm-hmm. District, you know, Northeast. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of places out here. Solid State Books is one of my favorite bookstores. I don't know if they're doing inside shop, indoor, inside shopping, but they have online. Okay. Uh, and so I actually love everything on H Street, all the little restaurants um, out here. The, I love bookstores. Now, don't get me wrong, I love a good library too. And so I'm going to plug Rosedale Library because it's all the same benefits as a bookstore, but it's free. Uh, Ooh, for, what's it, Rosedale? And, you said Rosedale Library? Rosedale, yeah. Yay. Rosedale Library. <laughs> like parks and whatnot. Of course, everyone loves the National mm-hmm. Mall and it's beautiful and whatnot. And it's not really hidden, Jim, because it's actually a huge property. The National Art Arenum, it's in Northeast. It is hundreds of acres and it technically it's a research facility, but it's open to the public. You can walk the roads, you can ride your bike around the roads, some of the roads you can drive on, but they have a beautiful display of azaleas. Mm. They have dogwoods, they have an Asian Mm. garden and you can walk down to the river. The National Arboretum is really my biggest hidden gem in Washington, DC. And I hate even telling people because I don't want, you know, I got, you know, I don't care. It's huge. Come on down. Everyone come down make it crowded. I don't care. And it's free. It's owned by the federal government, which means it belongs to all of us. It's just a, when you go in, it really does feel like you're not in DC. You just feel like you're in a a different place and, but you are in DC. (laughs) And so I highly, that's my number one hidden gem. The the National Arboretum over in Northeast is off Bladesburg Mm -hmm. Road. You can also go on New York Avenue, Northeast, either one of those. Yeah, that's my number one. And, and I think people don't realize places like Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York, even though they're major cities, they have a lot of national open park area per square footage of their city. In particular, New York, I'm a city person, but it was surprising to learn that. So you can go to these cities that I listed and get a lot of feel of wilderness and greenery, surprisingly. People don't think about that. Think mm. about skyscrapers in New York or D.C. to mine. There's a lot of green space, including Philadelphia. There's a lot of places you can sit in the park. So yes, I'm, I'm with Tim. Enjoy it. <laughs> um, so with that being said, some quick questions. So what fuels your success in life and business? Is it um, particularly first thing in the morning? Is it water, tea, coffee, or nothing, Tim? Coffee every day and in the morning and then throughout the rest of the day, as much water as I can take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there any particular reason why you're trying to phrase it like as much water as you could take? Yeah, because just being outside all day with the tours, like you get dehydrated. And so you, I'll, you know, I'll be out there for five hours talking and I realize I haven't drank a sip of water. And so I just now carry this water bottle on my hip and I just make sure, okay, every 10, every 20 minutes, I just need to stop and just take a sip. And so I don't forget. Okay. <laughs> okay. This next question is a hard one because DC's ever evolving and changing. Do you have current favorite neighborhood as of now in May 2021? Just to be fair, we'll just say May 2021. <laughs> uh, wow, that is a question. Um, I probably do, and I don't want to punt on the question, but, but DC has like a hundred plus. Yeah, I agree. I realized that was hard. You want to do a top three real quick? <laughs> is it easier to top three? Um, I'll do a top three. So number one, 
I got to go with where I live, which is Carver Langston uh, over in Northeast. It's a um, not all post-war, but huge. A lot of the buildings are built right after World War II and many before that, but th- throughout the first half of the 20th century. A lot of row houses, some larger buildings, but sort of everything's here. Like I, I love because we can just walk to a grocery store. We can walk to a couple of grocery stores. I, I don't have a car, but for people who do, you can just real quick, you know, get on Route 50 and head out to, you know, wherever you want to go. You can get out of DC really quickly if you need to. <laughs> people are pretty nice. It's, pr- it's pretty quiet. And then also you can get downtown. We have like the X bus. So to me, it's like, it's a quiet, nice sort of row house community, but also if you want to go downtown, you can get there pretty quickly. If you want to get out of town, you can do that pretty quickly too. But if you just want to stick around and like stick around here and chill out, you can do that too. You don't have to leave. You don't have to go anywhere to get groceries, all the stuff you need. So I love, I love Carver Langston. So I'll plug that. Number two, I'd probably say Mount Pleasant. I lived there for 15 years before I moved over this way or 14 years. Mount Pleasant's up in Northwest DC. It's right off of 16th Street. One of the original suburbs of the city of Washington before we called everything Washington, D.C. There was Washington, city of Washington. There was Washington County. There was Alexandria County. There was Alexandria City. And there was Georgetown City. Oh, wow. All that was in D.C. And Mount Pleasant was one of the first, quote unquote, suburbs mm-hmm. of Washington oh, City. Wow. Now it's just neighborhood, <laughs> you know, but back then. And it sort of seems like it when you go up there, this little pocket. Love Mount Pleasant. And then number three... Maybe South, maybe all of Southwest. Really? Wow. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, it's, I think people think Southwest is pretty quiet, which it mostly is. But when you look at the history of Southwest, it was a huge neighborhood for working class Black people. It, it, most people know it for being the wharf, the fish mm-hmm. market, the municipal fish market. It's been there for over mm-hmm. a century. And now, of course, there's all kinds of like crazy new development down there. Mm-hmm. But the story of the wharf, and, or I'm sorry, the story of Southwest, the bittersweet story, because so many of those homes were sort of taken down in urban mm-hmm. renewal. And so that's a fascinating, it's not always the funnest story to talk about. Um, it's actually sort of a pretty tragic story, but it is really interesting to me, the evolution of that place. And it's happening right now. There's an evolution happening down there by the fish market. I don't know if anyone's been down there recently, but there's, you know, every time I go look, there's a new building uh, around the waterfront. So that's probably one of the areas of DC that's changing the, the built environment that's changing the fastest right now. And just because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to go to all my favorite neighborhoods in the last year. It's just sort of been like travels being restricted. So whenever I do go somewhere that I haven't been in a while, it just looks like it's changed a lot. And that's one of the areas where there's been a lot of change. I appreciate you being so uh, willing to take on the hard questions, like the top three neighborhoods. <laughs> I sort of just led with the top three. I'm like, I, as I re- as I was thinking, like top one, like I'll make it easy. Like, no, I, I once again, I should have went my first <laughs> instinct was let let me give them some leeway, say three. So with that being said, and you being so patient with the top the hard questions about coffee, tea, and neighborhoods, which really those are always uh, <laughs> challenging for everybody. Where can we find you at next? And where are you making all the magic happen? Hopefully, that's an easy question um, to, to close things out at. Where, I mean, I think I do want to try to get this Pennsylvania Avenue American Main Street tour happening. I think think it has wide appeal for people who are visiting and who are local. And then also, I just want to say I'm open to, I get a lot of suggestions from locals or I should do a tour about this or that. And so many people have mentioned H Street Northeast or known as the Atlas District. And I always think about 
man, maybe I should do a tour of that. And so you may see me on 8th Street before the year is mm. over um, doing a tour. <laughs> but I think for now, neighborhood tours, they're just so popular for a lot of different reasons. And they're popular to a wide swath of visitors. And they're popular for people who live here in and around DC and who visit. And so the future to, for this business, I'm always going to be doing the monument tours. I'm always going to be doing the, the museum tours. But I do think the future is going to be developing neighborhood tours that really get into some of the local history. And so I think that's going to be the future. That's where you're going to find me. You're going to find me in the neighborhoods of Washington, D.C. And audience, I think I have a hint. He was very passionate about the Southwest. I think there might be some a tour coming to the Southwest. <laughs> I'm, I was, he seemed pretty excited about it. And also, I'm excited. I love seafood. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just I want to come just to see the, do the market and then do the tour. And, and one of the things you hinted on, which is what I love about D.C., is that in a year, uh, metro stop area can change. Like there'll be so much transformation or what happened around where the national stadiums are. There's not many cities like that where transformation happens in months. I think New York is probably a very distant second. Yeah, literally. So that keeps that keeps the city interesting and ever evolving. So, uh, And then, uh, uh, Tim, where can they find you? Your website, your social media channels, things like that. Yeah, of course. So thank you for mentioning that. Addicts Adams, that's spelled A-T-T- U-C-K-S-A-D-A-M-S.com. And then it's just Addicts Adams for everything else. Instagram, Twitter, I'm sort of active on, uh, but not so much with Instagram, Facebook, Addicts Adams. And so all those places, you know, people, you know, want to email. They're, the company is really just me. And so it's just my email address, Tim at AddictsAdams.com. I'm pretty much on there all the time. And so that's where I live online, always open to answer questions, anything, you know, I used to say there's no bad questions, but it turns out there are, but I'm sure none of your listeners will ask any of those, um, but <laughs> find me online and uh, we could talk about Washington, D.C., civics, the built environment or the monuments or memorials or museums, all of those things are open for discussion and touring. And one last thing you mentioned about being on a panel. Um, do you want to give us a little tease about where that will be and how we can listen or register to hear about it? Yeah, so the panel, it's it's possibly, so the panel is going to be about this idea of, it's sort of a wide-ranging topic right now, but originally it was supposed to be about, be about actually go-go music and go-go music's place in D.C., and then I was going to come in, not on the music piece, but talking about how we use public art or murals to shape the idea of culture in D.C. I mean, really other places, too. We don't know if it's going to be an indoor event because we just we're not sure what the pandemic's going to look like. It may be an online event. So I would just say stay tuned um, to my socials and it's going to be in late June or July. So it's not fully formed, but it is going to happen probably online. Fingers crossed it could be in person, but we just want everyone to be safe. So if it is going to be in person, it'll be a safe event. But yeah, just keep up on my um, Instagram and Twitter. I'll announce all the details as soon as they're final within the next couple of weeks, but it should be fun. I love the talk. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Once again, thank you, audience. As always, we appreciate you tuning in to Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. You can follow us on Instagram at Local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast, on Facebook, Local DMV, BIT and Leisure podcast once again everyone have a great day and, and most importantly tim we thank you so much for coming we're excited to uh share all your awesomeness as it evolves um and then most importantly audience stay in, stay uh i guess keep an eye out for the bonus content so thank you guys uh, thank you so much